This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. With me this week is the BigSpur.com's J.C. Sherbert. We are getting ready for a big game on Saturday in Columbia with Georgia. Going on the road to play South Carolina. So just start this thing, J.C., how is this Wednesday treating you as we get a little bit closer to game time? Oh, yeah, it's always busy. Uh, Wednesdays I do uh, a lot of radio and uh, have a two-hour streaming podcast that I do that's here on 24-7 Sports called Inside the Gamecocks, the show. And then uh, normally uh, I'll get a couple of other uh, interview requests from the opponent during the week. So hub day is kind of work day for me. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to popping on with you guys and talking a little bit about Georgia before the week is over. Um, So let's just sort of get this thing started, JC, and start with South Carolina. And really not so much through these first two games, but going into year two, under Shane Beamer, what were sort of the expectations before the season started about this team? Again, going into the second year with Shane Beamer and through two games, uh, what does it seem like uh, the the big takeaways are about this team? Well, I, I you know, I, I think that uh, of course South Carolina added a lot of good players uh, from the transfer portal, and, and they've kind of played like it the first two games. Uh, you know, uh, I think they felt like some of their young defensive linemen would be better this year. They return an offensive line with 139 starts uh, within the top eight. Um, <clears throat> a running back in Marshawn Lloyd that's healthy. Uh, another guy that they brought in from Wake Forest, Christian Bill Smith, who has not been healthy. Um, Juju McDowell on the perimeter. Their leading receiver, Josh Van. Jaheim Bell is kind of a Swiss Army knife guy. Uh, really the, the roster is probably about as good as it's been at South Carolina since 2013, uh, which is an 11 and two football team. But, uh, I don't think the expectations were quite at 11 and two this season because <laughs> the schedule is pretty hard. It's been a while since South Carolina's done anything like that. Uh, but the expectation was, uh, improvement, you know, last year's team, uh, had some games where they kind of caught fire and won like Florida and Auburn. Uh, and then in North, against North Carolina in the bowl game. But there, there were also some ugly games last season at A&M, uh, Tennessee, Clemson, um, even some of the wins, one-point win over Vandy, a nine-point win over Troy, and escape at East Carolina. Um, and, and so I think fans heading into this year sort of expected uh, the program to take a step. Most second-year coaches do take a step. Um, and so I think uh, – 
I think when you look at the first two games, there there are a lot of positives. Uh, but then there's still some of the same old bugaboos that that haunted the team last year uh, that, that are there, namely uh, being able to defend the run and also being able to run the football. I mean, it's kind of that simple. Coaches talk about that all the time. Yeah, got to run the ball, stop the run. Uh, the game ends up being that simple at times. Uh, and uh, Carolina has unfortunately struggled a bit at that. Now, against Georgia State, the stats were kind of misleading because uh, they got 200 rushing yards, but they were kind of big chunk plays early and then chunk plays late. Uh, Arkansas lined up, and, uh, boy, they were very, very impressive last week with uh, Rocket Sanders and uh, K.J. Jefferson and and their offensive line, and uh, they really gashed Carolina pretty good uh, for 295 rushing yards. So, you know, if there's been a disappointment, <clears throat> it's been that, uh, you know, those first two games kind of had some of the same old issues uh, that South Carolina had last season, uh, they, they cost them. Cost them uh, not only uh, wins, but uh, competitiveness in, in certain games that South Carolina people uh, not only want to, but expect to compete in. You mentioned the transfers. Obviously, that was a big part of the offseason. And, you know, no transfer bigger than Spencer Rattler. Obviously, a lot of attention uh, from what he did while he was at Oklahoma. I know it's a small sample size, but what have you thought about the way Spencer has played? What what has stood out? And if there have been any obvious weaknesses, what have they been through two games? I, I think he's getting more comfortable with the new system. Um, it's, it's not a whole lot like what he ran at Oklahoma. Um, but he seems to be getting more and more comfortable. I, I thought the first game uh, did some nice things on the run. Uh, we didn't really see much from the pocket. And, and then against Arkansas, the, the offensive line, especially kind of in the second half, uh, third quarter from the third quarter on, kind of solidified their pass blocking. He got a clean pocket. And, and then you could kind of see what he could do down the field. Um, and he's got some weapons that he can connect with. Um, so, so I think he's just getting better and better and better. What, what, what he has to worry about is, uh, and a lot of guys that have arm talent like he does, that they trust their arm almost too much. Uh, <clears throat> so instead of taking the check down, you know, he, he's going for the home run ball sometimes. And, you know, sometimes it's better to get a 15-yard gain at first down, live to fight another day than it is to force it down the field into coverage or whatever. Uh, but there's no question he, he's got talent. Uh, I think that uh, as the season moves along, and he gets more and more into a rhythm and more comfortable uh, with his teammates and with the system, uh, you know, he'll be pretty good. Now, I don't know what that means for Saturday, but I think that uh, certainly um, you can see uh, the the ability there and you can see the potential there uh, with this offense uh, once he kind of gets into the groove of things. Looking at the playmakers around him, who has stood out to you as far as guys that look like players South Carolina can count on uh, to make those kind of plays to, to get points and, and again, to stay competitive in what looks like a pretty strong SEC East this year. Well, it starts with another transfer portal guy uh, that they got from James Madison, uh, Antoine Juice Wells. Uh, he caught 80 balls at JMU last year. It's an interesting story. Uh, when he came out as a high school recruit out of Richmond, Virginia, he didn't have grades. So he went to, I think, Fork Union for a year, so either Fork Union or Hargrave. Uh, made his way to JMU uh, and, and really shined. I mean, uh, in that program, and you, you know they're pretty good. Uh, they're pretty good on the FCS level. They're, they're moving up this year, so um, you know he, he wanted a kind of a bigger spotlight. And South Carolina got in on him. I mean, Texas offered him, Florida offered him, North Carolina offered him, I and mean, the, the list of potential options for him 
they're quite large and South Carolina ended up landing him. Um, when he left James Madison, uh, one of their assistant coaches was at Alabama previously. And uh, this was not super secret rumored inside information. It was in the newspaper, I think in Harrisburg, Harrisonburg, Virginia, because uh, said he's a lot like those guys that, that they had at Bama. Uh, and when you watch what he did against Arkansas, you kind of feel that way. I mean, eight catches for 189 yards. He's leading the SEC in receiving. He's fast. He's a physical player. Um, you know, not going to be jammed at the line of scrimmage. He goes 128,000 miles an hour, uh, hustles all the time. Uh, he, he's kind of how you draw him up um, through two games. And, you know, I don't want to like overhype him, you know, heading into 10 more games on the schedule, but, uh, that's one that uh, personally I thought I was like, man, this guy's a this guy's a game changer. You know, he's not just a guy out there. Um, and uh, so far through two games, he's shown that, and especially against Arkansas, you know, he caught a pass over the middle and outran their entire defense to the end zone. He he caught a pass on a, uh, I guess it's best described as a as a maybe a comeback route, and, and he caught it and then broke the tackle and run, you know, rushed for more for twenty more yards. I mean, he he's a ball player. You know, Jaheim Bell. Uh, is a player that has showed signs last year, especially in the bowl game. Uh, they kind of use him as a tight end, running back, hybrid type of guy. He's played at Valdosta High School in Georgia, uh, was committed to Florida, and the Gamecocks flipped him when Will Muschamp was the coach. Uh, you know, he's, he hadn't gotten going in the passing game a lot. They've given him the football from scrimmage. Um, you know, he's a potential guy. Jalen Brooks, who uh, only played half the year last year, uh, is another transfer from 2020. Uh, came in from Wingate University, a small school. Uh, he's come on. He, he's really improved a lot, and he's playing fast. Uh, and then you got Austin Stogner, another transfer, tied in from Oklahoma, uh, who's really good. The backs are, are solid. Um, you know, I think if the offensive line or offense in general gave them a little more room, they'd have better numbers. But, you know, Marshawn Lloyd's a player obviously Georgia fans are familiar with because they recruited him out of high school from up there in D.C., had an ACL injury, uh, Will Muschamp's last year, 2020, set him out for the season. Uh, kind of got going a little bit last year, but not really. And, and this year he looks like a, a faster, more confident player. Uh, has done most of his damage for catching the ball, you know, so far this year. From scrimmage, he just, you know, not very many carries, not much yards. But uh, he's a really good player. So, you know, I, I think South Carolina – you know, with the skill players, they, they have guys around Spencer Rattler that can do some damage. But, uh, you know, the game, you know, they say run the ball, stop the run, but also it comes down to blocking and tackling. And blocking has been a challenge uh, for South Carolina through two games in different ways. I wanted to ask you specifically about that, you know, six sacks allowed against Arkansas. Was this perceived as maybe a weakness coming into this year? Or is it a situation where that was just sort of an off game from this group? Uh, I, I think a lot of folks, observers of the program, you know, you, you kind of got two camps there. You, you got the camp that, you know, sees that a lot of guys are coming back and, you know, a lot of older guys that have been here for a long time. And uh, they're like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Right. And then you got other folks that say, well, th th what you want to have is 139 combined starts on your offensive line uh, going into a season like this. They're all big athletic guys who have played well individually at times. Uh, so, so the other camp, and I was kind of in that camp, there's really no excuse. But, again, I, I think I think that camp, too, said believe it when you see it. You know, Georgia State presents 
some uh, interesting challenges uh, to any offensive line, I think, with their style of play on defense. Uh, but then last week, uh, you know, especially in the first half, uh, it was just a struggle. You know, South Carolina did not really even attempt to run the football a whole lot. It was just a drop back and chuck it game. And, you know, sometimes when you drop back and chuck it that much, I mean, you know, that they're going to get after you, especially when you have players like Drew Sanders, uh, who, by the way, I think was the Walter Camp Defensive Player of the Week last week for Arkansas. Uh, he was kind of a holy terror. Uh, he really uh, demonic for the Gamecock offense last week. And, it, it, it you know, it, it's still a work in progress. I mean, you, you know, you can't really spin it any other way, uh, but that these guys have, have not played as well as people would have hoped. Um, and they're going to have to get a whole lot better, you know, here in, uh, what, about 96 hours, 20, 72 hours, <laughs> uh, if there's any chance for them to win this weekend. But not only that, but for the rest of the year, you know, you can't really, you know, function in the SEC without some kind of some blocking. You know, offensive lines are always going to struggle. You guys know that at Georgia sometimes, uh, you know, you recruit the best offensive linemen in the country, but there are days they struggle, you know, and it's because of the defensive lines in this league. They're so elite. They're so talented. You're going to face the best of the best. And if you're South Carolina, you also have Clemson on the schedule so that they're really talented up front too. So, uh, you know, I I think this group just needs to get to decent. Uh, And if they can get to decent, I think this offense can possibly make things happen. Yeah, like you said, JC, when it comes to playing offensive line in this league, I mean, it's basically snap to snap. I mean, mm-hmm. just because of the challenges that come, you know, with with the teams that you're playing. Yeah, and every fan base gripes about it too. I mean, Alabama's fans are mad at their offensive line coach. You know, I know um, God Kirby got a question about the offensive line. I, I don't know why. I, I didn't watch much of the Sanford game, but it, I mean, did they struggle in the second or something against Sanford? I I don't know. You know. I, I'm like, uh, so fans, I think, have this – us down south, we always think we have the best players, right, uh, at, at every position. And, and that's just, it's not quite true with offensive lines. They, they, you know, you, you look at some of the places you go and get elite offensive line talent, it's not always in the south. And uh, I think, you know, in the SEC, when you add on that you have the best defensive linemen – uh, there are going to be challenges for every team just about every week. And like you said, snap to snap. Uh, yeah, with Kirby, the big conversation has been Georgia has rotated a bunch of guys, gotten different mm. you know, right tackle in, moved the guards around. So that's been part of it. But to your point, I mean, I feel like it's easy to critique because you're watching five different guys. And, well, you, well, they sprung a big play, but you see that left guard kind of got pushed back. I mean, it, yeah. it, it just sets up for fans to have something to say. Yeah. Again, snap to snap. It's the toughest position, I think, to play in the Southeastern Conference. It's t- probably tougher than quarterback to play uh, just because, like I said, I mean, you're, you're going up against great players every single week at just about all the schools. I mean, just about everybody has good defensive linemen. So uh, that's uh, certainly the O-line is a topic of conversation around Columbia this week, and uh, it'll continue to be until they put together a good game. Well, we'll take a quick break real quick, but we'll come back, talk about the defense, talk about what we saw from South Carolina's game against Arkansas, and then talk about preview and Saturday, what we expect to see uh, when Georgia and South Carolina play. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, 
feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, JC, turning the attention to the defense, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, were, were there a few injuries on that defense for South Carolina coming off of that Arkansas game? Yeah, two pretty significant ones, uh, you know, in terms of uh, definite starters and players Carolina was counting on. One, uh, Jordan Strawn uh, was probably South Carolina's best edge rusher. Uh, transferred from Georgia State uh, in 2021 – where he led the nation in sacks. Interesting story. It's from Kingsland, Georgia, down by the coast. Um, walked on at Georgia State as a wide receiver and just developed into a, into a big-time defensive end. Uh, had a great ending the last year. Played well, pat, rushing the passer, and was a, a surefire starter You know this season. Uh, and unfortunately, tore his ACL. The other one that is probably more heartbreaking, um, Mohamed Kaba, who – actually beat out a returning starter for the middle linebacker job, a uh, four-star kid out of North Carolina that Muschamp had, had won a recruiting battle for, um, had really come into his own, and it is a super-duper human being, right? He had an ACL tear in high school um, that he kind of worked his way back from, Jordan, and, boy, he was playing outstanding the first two weeks. And boom, it happened again. So you just hate to see that happen. Uh, they're going to be replaced by uh, two guys um, uh, that are solid players. Sherrod Green is a six-year guy uh, that uh, started uh, for about five years you know, at South Carolina. Uh, he's been bitten by the injury bug the last two years. In fact, he had a season-ending injury against Georgia last season in Athens. Uh, so he's back and healthy and taking his place. So I think that's pretty good because Sherrod's, you know, he's not a slow guy. He's athletic. He's got a lot of experience. So, you know, that kind of cushions the blow a bit. You still rather have Mokaba. Um, and then at the other end is a guy named Gilbert Edmond, another Muschamp recruit. And, and most of these guys are because, you know, Beamer hasn't been there. Uh, I think he's got one full recruiting class in. Um, who uh, It was kind of funny. Muschamp sort of found him. He was committed to South Florida, uh, played a lot of linebacker, D-tackle, uh, and was a, a younger individual, like 16, something like that. You know, brought him to South Carolina. He's now 6'5", 255. Uh, and uh, he's been the backup behind Strong. And when he's been in, he's, he's played pretty well, you know. So uh, that the, the defensive end injury, I think, is you know probably a bit more significant just because – 
you know, I, there's a veteran sitting there uh, at middle linebacker now uh, to replace the injured middle linebacker. Uh, but at uh, at end, you got a guy that has not played a whole lot prior to this season. It's only game two. Uh, so there is some concern there. I, I think in general, South Carolina's pass rush, you know, needed to get a whole lot better this year. So losing Jordan Strawn uh, is a tremendous blow to that. What do you make just of the rest of this defense, guys that Georgia fans may hear on Saturday, guys that just generally South Carolina is counting on to uh, be able to contend? Well, Cam Smith uh, certainly is where it starts. You know, they move him around. He plays the nickel. He plays some corner. Um, you know, he's kind of projected to play in the NFL. Georgia, uh, I believe, recruited Cam uh, out of Blythewood, South Carolina. Um, Darius Rush is the other corner. Uh, he's a guy that's – another guy has been there for like six years. Um, Lance Thompson, when he was in South Carolina, actually recruited this kid, bounced around from receiver to safety, and then finally found a home under the new staff at corner and re really thrived last year. Um, and, and he's he's long and fast, you know, sometimes gets lost in coverage, but a, a really good player. Those guys are going to have to have a good game because if you, if you remember last season, Georgia got to run on the ball and this started going over the top and – you know, those guys were running wide open. So I, I think it's important for the secondary to play well. Uh, Devonnie Reed is a transfer from Central Michigan who was all Mac last year who's played well at one, one safety. And then the guy to really look out for, and this is, uh, I tell everybody, you know, uh, if you're at South Carolina, you need to recruit South Carolina because sometimes you find really good players. Uh, Nick Emanwari, true freshman from Irmo, which is right outside of Columbia. 6'4", 218. They had him in camp. Uh, they let him play corner in camp, passed that test, played safety, played linebacker. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people felt like he had a ton of upside. Well, he gets to uh, preseason camp in pads, uh, and he's even better than they thought. Very instinctive. Um, played probably uh, of, of the, all the guys on defense last week. Probably tackled better than anybody, any of the upperclassmen. So, uh, he's going to be a pretty special player. So he's number 21. Uh, so look out for him in the Gamecock secondary on Saturday. And then, then moving forward, because, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that I think will make some noise around the SEC before it's all said and done. Before we talk about that game last week against Arkansas, I, I wanted to ask you, has there been a lot of talk about Will Muschamp this week? There, I've heard a little bit on the Georgia side. There's been a few guys that were recruited by South Carolina I remember specifically, I believe, Javon Bullard talked about this last night, Georgia's starting nickel. And he talked about, well, you know, I really like South Carolina and like Coach Muschamp, you know, worked out obviously where he got coached by him here at Georgia. Has there been much talk about Muschamp? Obviously, he's coming in. Uh, this will be his first game really on staff. He'll be the co-defensive coordinator uh, for Georgia going back to Columbia. Yeah, not really. Um, I, you know, I think – a lot of Gamecock fans – now, look, I'll be honest. A lot of them take just ridiculous shots at the guy. I mean, look, it didn't work out. There's a parting of ways, you know. Uh, I thought that, you know, with how that hire happened, um, you know, he was not going to get a lot of time. And, and I think he knew that and everybody knew that it wasn't like, you know, you come in and replace, I mean, the poor guy, he's replaced urban Meyer at Florida and Steve Spurrier at South Carolina. I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's not easy. Um, but, but I think in time uh, folks will realize in Columbia that, that, you know, Will Muschamp in that era served its purpose. 
I mean, you even sort of look, Jordan, at uh, the players on the roster at South Carolina. Uh, you know, and, and Muschamp, of course, went four and eight in 2019, and people were kind of wanting a change. Uh, he signed a really good recruiting class that year. There's a lot of starters right now that Shane Beamer's enjoying. And uh, and then we had all the stuff that happened with COVID and social justice or whatever in the summer of 2020. And, and Muschamp held his team together. I mean, if you'd had a new coach come in there, I mean, you don't know who would have still been there, what kind of job it would have been. Um, he did a lot right. And uh, I, I think people, you know, just kind of tee off on him a little bit uh, for no reason, just because they're mad because their team wasn't winning. Uh, but if you really look at the players who are doing the playing at South Carolina uh, and a lot of the guys that are going to be, you know, really good for this team this year, he's recruited a lot of them. And, and he left the program, uh, I believe, uh, you know, people may disagree, in better shape than he found it. Uh, from a roster standpoint, you know, I, I, I think that uh, – and I think in time people will realize that. They'll look back and go, well, you know, there are a lot of must-champ recruits that end up playing well uh, for Beamer and helping the Gamecocks win games and, you know, the and, and, and kind of that ugliness will die. I will say uh, there's still a lot of kind of hard feelings. And, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it were on both ends uh, with that. So – you know, I don't expect him to get a, a round of applause when he walks on the sidelines on Saturday. Um, but I, I honestly don't think that's very fair. Uh, I, I think it's kind of a, you know, missing the forest through the trees kind of opinion. Uh, and I think in time people will, will start to realize that. I mean, he, you know, you just did not have, you know, a seven-year uh, type of situation coming in and taking over for Steve Spurrier when you did not – make things happen at Florida. You know, it was kind of one of those, well, as long as he's winning, everybody's kind of buying in. But, you know, you start losing in year four, and then year five was just unfortunate. Um, you know, change is probably going to happen. Yeah, I was really struck at media days, uh, talking to a few of the South Carolina players. And, you know, I wouldn't expect them to go up there and badmouth Muschamp, but there were genuine – you know, appreciation for the opportunities those guys got because Will was head coach. I mean, getting scholarship offers there. So um, you can understand those players. And, uh, you know, that part of it will be interesting just to see if, you know, in the post game, if we see him uh, have a chance to talk to some of those guys afterwards. Yeah, and, and look, my champs, uh, one thing I, I knew about him uh, the whole time he was at South Carolina and really the whole time, you know, I've known him or anybody I've known him. So he's a first-class guy. Uh, and and he puts his players first, right? The relationships he has with his players and his fellow coaches and all that, the people that actually know him, um, you know, that they, they don't have a bad word to say about the guy. So I, I'd be surprised if, you know, just like last year after the game, you know, he went up and talked to Josh Van and, you know, some of those other uh, players down in Athens. Wouldn't be surprised if he uh, did the same thing in Columbia on Saturday, depending on – you know, kind of what the situation was after the game. <laughs> you know, if it's a packed house and South Carolina fans have, have lost a, a close one, maybe not. You know, <laughs> if if, uh, if they win and the goalposts are trying to come down, probably not. But, uh, you know, if it, if it goes the way that the point spread says it's going to go and, you know, it's kind of a relaxed atmosphere after the football game, I, I could see him definitely doing that. But I I, I would not take it as any sort of slide. I think a lot of times I just kind of, there's a security issue and stuff that happens in, in, at the end of these games sometimes. 
JC, looking back to last week, South Carolina, we knew they had a big test, having to go on the road to play at Fayetteville, wound up losing 44-30. What were your biggest takeaways from what you saw in that game, and what wound up making the difference in that loss? Uh, South Carolina just got uh, physically beat uh, up front on offense. And then, you know, Arkansas has got a really good offensive line. You you talk about good offensive lines in the SEC. I I think, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens because they have A&M and Alabama and some other schools coming up. But I I can't imagine there being a better one uh, based on what I've seen so far. Um, And they were able to, to physically move South Carolina at, you know, for most of the time. Well, then, you know, the times they didn't, you got a 240-pound quarterback you got to go tackle. Um, and those are on early downs. And so then Kendall Browse, uh, who is an excellent offensive coordinator, a lot like his dad, you know, he gets in, what is it, you know, third and three, third and third and less than five. Uh, and he's got the whole playbook, you know, because if you if you crash it and try to bring Jefferson down, he can always break the one. All it takes is one tackle. He can fall forward for four or five yards. Uh, he can run it with the running back, Rocket Sanders, who's an excellent player behind a big offensive line, or they'll do the pop pass, or they'll throw it to the tight end on the perimeter. I mean, it's just a – it's a – even mentally, when you're not getting beat physically, which the Gamecocks were, uh, it is a bear to stop. And so uh, I think that was the problem on defense. And, and this has not been a poor tackling team, the Gamecocks, you know, the last two years, that was kind of a weird thing. Uh, offense, it just kind of got came down to, to protection and, and getting Rattler into a rhythm. Uh, I, I do think looking back on it, offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield met with the media today uh, and he said, well, you know, when they handed the ball off on first or second down, they only did it 12 times in the game and they averaged five yards per carry. So probably shouldn't have abandoned the run completely with all those empty sets, uh, I think. Because uh, uh, Arkansas does give you sort of a light box sometimes, and numbers in the box they'll drop six, seven, eight. Um, and, and so maybe looking back on it, uh, if they'd have run the ball a little bit more uh, and ha- continue to have success doing that, that would have allowed the defense not to get gassed. Uh, and then uh, maybe it's a different outcome or a closer outcome. But uh, you know, South Carolina, the, the one good thing they did do, George Jordan, last year they'd go on the road and fall behind bigly and then make some sort of garbage time come back, right? Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a good sign that after getting behind 21-3, you know, South Carolina's right there. They cut it to 21-16 in the third quarter and get a stop. You know, so they had a chance to take the lead in the third quarter. Uh, the fourth quarter just got crazy. But uh, I, I did think that was a good sign when you compare last year to this year is that – you know, it wasn't just like when the other team took their foot off the gas that, that South Carolina was able to get up off the mat and make things happen. Turning the attention to Saturday, you mentioned a few minutes ago the spread. Last I saw, 24-and-a-half, Georgia favorite. When you look at this game, J.C., what has to go right, in your opinion, for South Carolina to keep it close? And if you want to give a prediction, by all means, I, I sometimes I get guests on here and they go, eh, I don't want to give a score prediction, but what, in your mind, needs to go right – if South Carolina's going to hang with this Georgia team on Saturday. Well, South Carolina has to tackle, you know, and and, and here's the problem. I mentioned Kendall Browse earlier. I, I think Todd Monken does not get enough credit for how he runs Georgia's offensive. If you kind of remember the 2019 game, not to bring that up to your audience, but, uh, 
you know, a guy named James Cooley was calling the plays, seen him call plays since he was at Miami. Uh, sometimes it's like a disjointed mess, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and since Mocken's been there, what Georgia does, you know, he does a great job of, of identifying mismatches and exploiting them. Uh, and he'll do it in different ways. Think about the championship game last year. Alabama's down to what their third corner sitting over there. And that, that kid, uh, he, he was just kind of surprised to be in there, right? Uh, Georgia gets the ball back. They immediately go downtown for a big play touchdown. Um, I think they are masterful at how they rotate their backs because uh, you'll bring in McIntosh, who's an excellent uh, pass catcher, right? But you don't really know that he's going to get the ball when he comes in. So, so it's not like they're giving plays away. Uh, and then, of course, Bauer, if you don't tackle Bowers, the band in the southeast corner of the end zone is playing glory, glory for old Georgia before you know it, right? you got to tackle him. You know, so South Carolina is kind of a different challenge. It's not the same scheme, but they're still going to have to play disciplined football, play their assignments, and tackle. And, and that's uh, and the defensive line, frankly, uh, needs to, to not get pushed around or it's going to be a long day. Uh, offensively against Georgia's defense, you know, uh, there's two ways to look at, it. you know, you can look at, well, you know, South Carolina needs to keep them honest by establishing some sort of run game. Right. Uh, or you can look at it like, well, the defense is like this. Uh, the only way really to get them is throw over the top of them sometimes. Um, and then there's the question of if you have time. So I, I think pass protection, you know, block again, blocking and tackling, <laughs> you know, that's uh that's the key if South Carolina can block and tackle uh, and uh, do better in those departments and, you know, call a good game on offense and Rattlers on, you know, I think they can hang with them. If not, it'll, it'll probably be a long day. I, I think when you talk about this series, when it's been competitive, right, uh, South Carolina matches Georgia's physicality. You know, think about some of those games in the early 2000s when Holtz was coaching and Spurrier was coaching at South Carolina, just how physical the Gamecocks were, you know, and, and how physical. I mean, that game was just a, a, a hit fest every year. Uh, and it was early like it is this year. Uh, the game in 2019 was very physical. The game in 2017 that South Carolina lost by two touchdowns was a physical football game. Uh, the games that South Carolina has gotten blown out, not so physical. So uh, I think South Carolina, if you're looking for a general key, has to try to match Georgia's physicality uh, this weekend, which they did not do at Arkansas. But, you know, being at home, who knows what happens. Yeah, very intrigued. Very intrigued to see how Marcus Satterfield and those guys attack Georgia's defense because these first two weeks, granted, one of those games was Sanford. A lot of quick passes is how Georgia was attacked and didn't really amount to much. I mean, between two (laughs) games, give up three points. Yeah, I'm not sure quick passes are the answer for that group. I mean, you know, you look, you got speed, you got length all over the field. I mean, uh, uh, you know, quick passes. I, I just, uh, I've never been a fan of, you know, and I don't even know how you watch Georgia last year at all and and, and come up with that as your your plan. Now, Sanford. You know, I, I think that's kind of their offense. They sort of do that anyway. I don't know what Oregon. Uh, was thinking, but I don't know that it would have mattered because Oregon um, was completely uh, dominated and, and that was a complete mismatch in that football game. Um, you know, so South Carolina, you, you got to hope you do a little better. You got to hope that uh, Georgia being on the road uh, makes a difference. But, you know, Jordan Kirby Smart has not lost a road game uh, to an SEC East opponent since he's been in Georgia. 
He's 15 and 0. Uh, and I'm not counting Florida. Florida's a neutral site, right? So true road games that they haven't lost in the SEC East since since he's been there. That's that's like what seven it's year seven. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it, it, being at home probably you know <laughs> you know I don't know how much of an advantage it is besides um, you know the uh, the crowd and all that. So we'll see sort of uh, see sort of what happens uh, Saturday. I, I I think that you know as far as the twenty four and a half. I think the Gamecocks could cover. And I think, I mean, I think they probably should. I think that's a big number. But, uh, you know, as far as winning the football game, you know, they're going to have to get better quickly in a lot of areas. Hope Georgia doesn't play their best. And like I said, match that physicality uh, that Georgia brings to the table um, each and every week. I'll go on record. I'm going to say Georgia wins 34-14. To your point, I don't think they cover that 24 and a half. That's a whole lot of points. Uh, but I think Georgia is able to win this one by 20. Uh, but it'll it'll be interesting to see. You know, again, this will be Georgia's first SEC game of the season. And uh, we know it's always going to be loud in Williams-Brice. Absolutely. And, uh, and, yeah, and I think I think Carolina's fans will show up. They're not – you know, when you look at – when most of them looked at the schedule this year, I, I think the Georgia game, Clemson game, and the A&M game, people kind of chalked up as, ah, probably going to lose. You know how fans – everybody does that in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that A&M game may be coming because that game's in Columbia. I think it may be coming back to the to yeah. at least the middle. It's swaying uh, back for sure. But, uh, but you know, a lot of that's also based on, you know, history and, and you know, the big name programs and, and actually what happened last year. But, you know, I, I, I think that – and I said before the Arkansas game last week because Pittman's in his third year. They're, they're really tight in terms of, of how they execute on both sides of the ball. They know their scheme. They know their coaches. Uh, I said going to that game, it just felt like Arkansas was a little bit ahead of South Carolina as a program. Well, you know, Georgia's a lot ahead right now. <laughs> so, you know, it's it, it's one of those where, you know, you got to go shoot your shot. Stranger things have happened. Um, you know, but realistically, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it it's, it's not a, a – favorable matchup for the Gamecocks. JC, I appreciate having you on. Is there anything you want to plug from the site, from your you guys' social media, you know, sure. anything to let the fans know about? Sure. The, the bigspur.com, that's where you can come read about the Gamecocks. If you're on Dogs 24-7, I think if you're an annual member, you get to come read our, our site, and I think a lot of you do. Certainly appreciate the JC Sherbert fan club on the message board over there. <laughs> I've seen some things, but uh, but that's okay. You know, I got a lot of dog friends, and then certainly um, have a lot of uh, positive feelings of, about uh, that football program and that fan base. And you know, certainly all the coaches that were at South Carolina that are there now uh, that, that I got to know while they were uh, in Columbia. And you know, just hope for hope for a good game this weekend. And uh, who knows? It, it may be one of those crazy Columbia slobber knockers like we used to have. And, you know, if not, here's hoping that one day it gets back to them. No doubt about it. Well, thanks again, JC, for popping on. We're going to wrap it up there. Thanks for everybody for tuning in live, you guys on Facebook and YouTube, uh, even for the people who are listening after the fact of uh, the podcast. Appreciate everybody for getting ready for, uh, again, a big weekend for Georgia starting the SEC slate. Uh, but we'll get out of here on that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And until next time, take care.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 